Hello and welcome to Galactica Actually. I am Jamie Smith and joining me is my co-host... Adialo Jackson. Today we will be talking about Season 2, Episode 18, Downloaded. Um, I feel like this episode was the one we were all waiting for when the show first aired. Maybe that was just me, but I was really interested in who the Cylons were and what they were like when they were away from all the fighting and infiltrating the humans and stuff. So Mm -hmm. what were your feelings about this episode when you first saw it? Yeah, I mean, when I I wouldn't say that I was waiting for it, but that's just because it's like you don't know what you don't know. So I wasn't like particularly wondering what was going on with the Cylons um, on their homework. But when the episode came out, I was like, blown away is not the word, but I really enjoyed it because it was like a window into like who they were and what they were doing. And this uh, episode is a very pivotal one i think for the show overall because kind of from from here on out their kind of end goal and objectives changes so um put it like a it humanized them in a you know in a certain way from yeah. a certain point of view <laughs> it it just it gave a little bit of insight and i think that's really what i was looking for was like I wanted to understand them as more than just machines. I wanted to know their motivations beyond just like we want to kill our oppressors or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed to know just really like their motivations or what they were like when they weren't attacking. And we haven't seen that many individual Cylons. We've seen a lot of raiders. We've seen centurions. But there's only been like a handful of human models. And a few of them are ones that we've, you know, spent time with because they were sleeper agents or they're in Baltar's head. We haven't spent a whole lot of time with them away from humans. So that's what I was most curious about and i think we we get a a better idea about them in this but still there's still a lot of mystery yeah like i think so one of the things i did like about the show and and i'm not knocking this episode at all but um one of the things i liked about the show up to this point was that they could do episodes that didn't involve the cylons um, at all, uh, but there still was always this threat of them like coming at any moment, and they were like this sort of like mysterious, ominous like presence, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lent itself to there always being this feeling of suspense, even when it was an episode that had nothing to do with them. So when they put a face on them, it turned i think it like it turned them so like from here on out the cylons are something different it's still really good though it's just like a it just happens in a different way you know um and we also we also get to see how they are starting to evolve because we're getting to understand 
like I guess you know just like with anything like they're like no one's really a monolith and they're starting to kind of come to that realization themselves yeah so getting into this episode we open with flashes to things that we've experienced six and Baltar's relationship um but we see it all from six's memories as she downloads into a new body so she's in this goo tank she's very disoriented i did listen to most of trisha helfer's episode about this episode but unfortunately um they didn't talk about the episode very much um they had a guest on the guy who played lucifer in lucifer and (laughs) so they they ended up just really talking to him about him which was weird there was a lot of talk about like his experiences at being a Battlestar fan and then like his experience as an actor and I checked out I was just like okay if you're not even going to talk about the episode then I'm not learning anything here but what I did learn was from Trisha Helfer she said the texture of this goo you know it like it kind of looks like semen and she said the texture wasn't that different (laughs) I was Mm. like oh my god I wish she had said what it was (laughs) like just so I would understand like what actually did they make you get into but uh, she talked a little bit about how they sort of blocked that scene with body doubles and things and how she had a lot to do with the way that six is sort of reborn how she takes this like big gasping breath because she said to her that model the last thing she would have remembered is basically being like pelted with broken glass and so (laughs) that gasp with it's like her consciousness goes from that moment to this moment as if there's no break so she's still reacting to the trauma that was happening when she died and um she said the writers never thought about it like that the director never thought about it like that and but that was that was her input and grace park's rebirth is a a little different but i do like like that trish helfer is always really thoughtful about the motivations of her characters Uh um so that's the one thing i did learn that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, Anders talks about that a little bit later, right? Like, um, but that it was such a good idea um, because obviously, when you when I first learned that they, you know, could download it to a new body, you think of it very mechanically, and mm-hmm. and yeah, and but in this instance, yeah, it's like you're actually the reality is, is like, I you know, I'm a big fan of Highlander, <laughs> like in the mm-hmm. Highlander the series. And it's that idea. It's like, yeah, you, yeah, you can't die, but that doesn't necessarily mean you want to go through that experience of like the death part and then like reviving. You know, it's very, it's still very would be traumatic and painful. You know, yeah. Um, that's uh, one of my problems about like that character of Wolverine is like as he's progressed over the decades, he's be- he's become like he can get shot or whatever and it's like no big deal. But back in the day, he used to get shot and double over in pain and it would take him a while to, to heal, 
you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's like, and now he's like so superhuman. It's like it, there's no intrigue in any of that. But yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah, you want to actually see like the downside of that. It's uh, an yeah. Achilles heel. And just a, just a side note, when you said Lucifer, I'm an old OG Battlestar guy. And I <laughs> literally thought you were at first we're talking about this character Lucifer from <laughs> from the original oh. show. I was like, why are they talking about Lucifer? On the... No, <laughs> yeah. no. He Tom was like Ellis a, is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like he was like a Cylon, uh, like the Cylon messenger or something. I don't know how to say it. Okay, or, well, anyway, glad they left that off. Anyway, um, I kind so of have she's... a theory that he's a, like that Lucifer character is a lot like Head Six, actually. So okay, anyway, yeah. So this six is um, in this tank she's upset she knows that she died she says she was in a house deanna's there and she confirms that six says that gaius was in the house and asks if he's alive and then he appears and when i tell you (laughs) that everyone in the room when we were watching this started screaming because we did not know this was going to happen and it completely blew our minds like it is not an exaggeration the whole room erupted like we were watching sports or something. Like we were all like, "Oh my god, what is yeah. happening?" So how did how did you react to the revel the reveal of Head Baltar? Um, I think. Well, I think I've only watched one episode in the presence of another person ever. So okay. I watched all of them by myself, um, and I. It's like kind of weird because I, I think I just was kind of like, I don't know what's happening right now. You know, like, this is new. This is interesting. Okay, what's going on? And that was about it, really. And um, the rest of it just kind of went with the flow for the episode, realizing obviously he's a another sort of some kind of version of what Head 6 is, but I didn't know what the nature of that was. Um, it did make me, like, fall back from that question that I think I had of like, cause I, even though they established it was at, by this point they had established it wasn't a chip in his head in for with mm-hmm. head six, but there still was like, well, maybe there's still just a Cylon or whatever. But after this, I was like, something else is going on. I don't know what it is, but something else is going on. So. Yeah. That's kind of how we felt too. Like it really started to make us question like, well, what, what is she in his head if he's in her head too? Is this that they just actually had this like incredibly strong connection? Are these hallucinations, are they actual things that only these two people can see? Are they connected to each other in any way? Yeah, those are... I I just feel like it opened up a lot more questions about like, wait. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) if we thought that she was like a manifestation of his guilt Mm -hmm. is he a manifestation of hers like just so many options of what this could possibly be yeah and i i on a certain level i do think that that was partly the intent but i also don't think that they really they don't they didn't really think it through very much either so um yeah i i think that too i think that they in their writer's room, whoever came up with this was like, this would be a really cool idea. Yeah. And it wasn't, I don't think it was until like season four when they really started to like, be like, okay, we gotta, gotta make it. 
we gotta like we gotta nail this down. Yeah. And I don't think you really, really get the answer to that like that last scene, really, I think. I yeah, I have thoughts about all that later. But uh so Deanna asks her if she would be upset if Baltar were dead, and Head Baltar tells her that it will be a problem if they know how she feels about him. So she replies that it would be unfortunate if he died since he was so helpful. Deanna agrees that he was very helpful and informs her that her mission was more successful than anyone ever imagined that it could be. That was a really cool idea, actually. Like, cool from a viewer standpoint, but I guess not for the the colonies. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yeah, like, it's the idea that, like, they, like, they were, their intention was to start this war, but they had no idea it would be that, like, complete. Like, yeah. Yeah. So the next thing we see is Boomer's memories before she is shot by Callie. And she wakes in a tank. Deanna's there again, telling her to breathe through the pain. There's a six there that welcomes her home, a Doral that tells her they're all proud of her. And then there's a Sharon that says they love her. And Boomer starts screaming. Now, I know we, we're going to spend a lot of time with Boomer and her like unwillingness to let go of who she thought she was. But it's not like in this moment she realizes that she's a Cylon. And the way that she reacts is as if this is her, the moment she learns it. I, yeah, I mean, I, cause I, I was contemplating a little bit about her a little later just because of what she's dealing with. Like, like you see her struggling through this. And I, I just, in my head, I'm just thinking whatever was going on with her, she, like, her programming or whatever was such that she truly thought she was Sharon Valeri. And, like, she had no awareness of at all at any point in her existence that she was a Cylon also. And that, to me, well, then, that makes what she, like, how she, like, the mind-breaking moment when she wakes up well that was true up until when she shot adama and at that point she knows she's a cylon right but uh but all of those all of those moments seem to be like this this almost like this manchurian candidate super deep subconscious thing because like even that she says she shot adama right but then right after that she's like what happened where am i yeah so that's what i'm saying so it's like her default is is to be this like Sharon Valeri and mm-hmm. yeah and like there is obviously that like, there's a Cylon like a sinister Cylon beneath that but it's it's definitely buried deep and it's it doesn't become conscious ever so it's just man if whatever she the however she was programmed is different than the all the other models I just assumed just from the way that they play her you know yeah yeah so sometime later, we are in Delphi, and Caprica Six is sitting on a bench watching Centurions plant trees. She's talking to Head Baltar. She thinks the replanting is about rebirth and a new beginning. He calls it a memorial and mentions how many people died there. Uh, this this tree planting scene was mm-hmm. apparently very expensive, and there was a back and forth about them doing it. And Ron Moore was very adamant of wanting to put it in there. I guess really, yeah, like. Uh, Said this, he said this this episode was really expensive, and it was kind of interesting that, that it was. Cause... 
Well, it, I think that's because of the how much um, they had to do. They did. They used this thing called modeling, so they yeah could have like multiples in a scene. Yeah, that makes so sense. So I think it was a lot of you know filming and then like modeling these people and like kind of that like you watch Lord of the Rings and there's yeah. you know ten thousand orcs mm-hmm. when you know it's that sort of duplicating thing. It's expensive. Yeah. If you want it to look good. If you want it to look like a video game, you could spend less money. Yeah. Yeah, but he he, just, he actually talked about it. It's funny that he was like, they everybody wanted to cut it. And for me, that actually, that scene kind of is what stands out for me whenever I think about the episode, is that literally the planting a tree, because it's so kind of like absurd, surreal, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. you, it drives this point home to me. Like, I know they they say what it is, but to me, it's sort of like, they're tr- they're they're so they're trying to be human so much but it's like they're pretending or like they but they don't get it it's just so to me it like drives the point home and it, apparently it was really expensive that particular shot so so that was like, funny. yeah i think it had something to do with it it was a centurion so they had to you know digitally create him yeah along with this planting this real tree I'm just glad all the uh, Cylons had different clothes in this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Deanna sits down with her and is talking about how nice the park is going to be. She asks how Six, Six is doing. Six replies that she's still trying to get used to this body. Even though it's the same, it feels awkward. And Deanna tries to bond with her, talking about how she was clumsy in hers for a while, too. And she says that this is a great opportunity to cleanse, new body, new life, forget the past, let go of any guilt and anxieties from before. That was then. This is now. Six thanks her for all of her help. Deanna's all like fake humble, like, oh, no, thank you. We (laughs) wouldn't have won this war without you. But then uh, Doral comes up and says it's an honor to have her on Caprica with them and thanks her, too. So I think this is the first sort of indication that we get that there are Cylons who think differently of this particular six. Maybe. And up to this point, it's not clear yet how Deanna falls on that. But we will learn. We go to the Galactica and Sharon is in distress. She says she's freezing and can't feel her legs. Hilo tells her that's the epidural. She asks what happened, and he tells her that she passed out and started bleeding. He says everything's going to be all right, but Doc Cottle, with his (laughs) pristine bedside manner, disagrees. (laughs) He grumbles about how the Cylons went through all the trouble to create these bodies but didn't update the plumbing. And, I mean, he has a point. Yeah. I mean, it's like, for me, it's tied into the whole, like, tree thing, actually. It's like this really absurd... You're trying to do something and you're just, you're kind of like bumbling about doing it. You don't realize that you're well, and like bumbling. They, they hate the humans because the humans created them and then enslaved them or whatever. But then they went through all this trouble to make, evolve to these humanoid bodies. They mm-hmm. could have created a different way to procreate Yeah, that didn't involve all the same trauma that women have to go through mm-hmm. and what happens to sharon here is traumatic her placenta is detached 
the baby will die. So they have to perform a C-section or they'll both die. Mm -hmm. And it's early. And so obviously Sharon is freaking out. And, and plus like does not trust that these people aren't going to like kill her and her baby in the process. Yeah. But we go back to Caprica. Caprica Six and Deanna are walking around. Six can't get used to everyone staring at her. Deanna says she's a celebrity, but she doesn't agree. Deanna tells her that everyone calls her Caprica Six. And she says that Six's missions that Six's mission must have been so disturbing at times. And head Baltar's like excuse me. <laughs> like he's just <laughs> balks at that and he says something about like killing millions of people is okay but sleeping with me is disturbing <laughs> and it seems to him that she quite enjoyed that part Caprica 6 much like Baltar responds to both of them by saying it was difficult at times Deanna gets to the real reason for this visit though there's another Cylon that's having difficulty readjusting and could use Caprica's help Caprica says that she's having issues of her own, and Deanna says if this silent isn't helped, she'll be boxed. Caprica helpfully explains to the audience that that means putting her memories in cold storage, and this is the first time we've heard of this. Mm -hmm. And she's appalled by the idea. Head Baltar comments that that's a charming way of dealing with emotional problems. It's almost inhuman. I like Head and, Baltar. Yeah. I like, and I liked his suit. <laughs> uh, Deanna says that boxing is a last resort and pleads with Caprica to help the Cylon is living in her old apartment that she had when she thought she was human and she's regressing but before we go there we go to a rooftop and on that rooftop is Anders va 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 voom <sighs> baby on, Tr on Trisha's podcast Tom Ellis said that he thought it was Christian Bale at first. He's like, uh, he really looks like Christian Bale. And, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he does, but I wouldn't I, say he doesn't. I can see it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it a little bit. Like his, around his mouth and nose or something. It, yeah, yeah like, the, like the shape of his face or whatever. Yeah. Like, they're not twins or anything, but I could see it. They could be yeah. brothers or something. Yeah. So Anders and his resistance are plotting out how to attack the Cylons, and they decide to go under this cafe. Back to the Galactica, the baby has been born. She's moved to an incubator, but she hasn't made any noise yet. Hilo asks if she's okay because she's not breathing. Coddle says her lungs aren't as developed as they should be, and she needs oxygen, but then she starts crying. He tells Hilo to leave because they have to work on stopping the bleeding on Sharon's bleeding. Uh, any thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, you know, in the, in the commentary, Ron Moore talks about how this whole birthing thing, he, like, his intention was, like, let's just get to it instead of building up to that. And so in some ways it feels very abrupt, but in other, in other ways it, it feels kind of real, more realistic and natural because I guess... Because of her, because of the, uh, the the complications of the pregnancy, that it, it would translate that this was a little bit unexpected. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, I have some thoughts about some stuff. <laughs> well, I guess we could talk about it a little bit later. But, yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh... 
I I kind of like that they put this in here instead of doing that traditional television thing where you find out a person is pregnant at the beginning of the season and in the finale of the season they have a baby. Mm-hmm. And it's like all part of the finale. Like this was like, like you said, like she didn't have a very easy pregnancy. It does seem very early. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like she's barely showing. Mm-hmm. Um, but often this is what happens. Yeah. Like sometimes babies are ready to come out. I mean, I was born three months early. Wow. And I was in an incubator for six weeks. Wow. I was very, very small. They said the one good thing was that my lungs were developed. Mm-hmm. So I was never um, hooked up to a, like, I was never intubated or anything. I didn't have to have oxygen hooked onto me or anything, but I was really small. So it happens. My dad didn't believe my mom when she went into labor. He had he like ate a bagel. <laughs> it's a true story. I mean, I believe he, it. <laughs> he stood around and ate a bagel, and he was just like, "Oh, she thinks she's in labor." I mean, because it was three months before I was due. Why would he? He thought she was being dramatic. I mean, I hear stories about like kids coming on time and the dad's eating a bagel. <laughs> so that's uh, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> I just know so many people that like went full term and then had to be like induced and stuff because the kid didn't want to come out. I hear that more now than like what was happening. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe like pregnancy care has gotten better. Maybe they the have 70s. a 70s. Maybe they have a sixth sense of what's going on in the world. <laughs> right. I just want to stay in. Meanwhile, I was like, let me out. <laughs> uh, okay. So we go Back to Caprica, and Caprica Six knocks on a door, and Boomer opens it. She asks if Six is there to kick her out, and Six says no. Boomer asks if she's there to help with her adjustment problems because she isn't moving out. Six says that she lived on Caprica for two years. She knew what she was, but she pretended to be human. And Boomer says that makes her a really good liar. So Six starts looking around the room at all the photos of family and galactic Crew members, Baltar tells her to start with the elephant figures on the table. So Six focuses on them and comments that they're beautiful. Boomer says her mother gave them to her the day she left for the academy. Six picks up a picture and asks if this is her mother. And Boomer's like, it's supposed to be, but it was all fabricated. Six says following God's path is never easy and Baltar's like, "Mm, don't play the religious card with this one. And Boomer does not care about her god. Six says God loves her. And Boomer gets angry and grabs a picture of the Galactica crew and says, this is love. These people loved me. and I loved them. She didn't pretend to feel things so that she could screw them over. And she yells that she shot a man that she loves. She fracked over another man and ruined his life. Who is she talking about? Chief? Yeah. Did she ruin his life? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, she was she was around for, like, when they were breaking up and he was all upset. Yeah, but that's not ruining someone's life. Yeah, it's I mean. just being sad about a breakup. I mean, yeah, sure. She's, she's a little dramatic. <laughs> Here. Um. I was hung up on a couple things okay. in this scene. One, the most important one, is 
so elephants evolved on in the colonies and then also on Earth. <laughs> that was one. That was a question. And then uh, another thing, as an OG Battlestar Galactica fan, I noticed this time that her outfit, um, Boomer's outfit, actually was uh, almost identical to the uh, Colonial Warriors from the original show. So that was like a nice little uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing finger. What is she? What is she wearing? She's wearing like a brown jacket and um, uh, kind of like beige pants. And it's like almost identical to the what the Colonial Viper pilots wore. Huh. Very very iconic. Um, so okay, yeah, it was kind of cool. And I, I also wrote down, what is that music? I actually shazammed it because I was like, <laughs> I just, it was very like discordant, <laughs> it was, which it's, was good for her, like her mood. Um, it's like how how in Ahsoka when when Sabine is riding her motorcycle listening to punk rock. Was it the same? Was it the same? No, music? not the same music. <laughs> also, uh, Sharon. She did her hair and makeup really fast. <laughs> She's a machine. These are all these are all not valid things. They were just <laughs> like I just was like I was kind of uh uh never thought about this. I I mean I I definitely sympathize with her though. Like Yeah. Yeah, it's like everything was a lie. It's like you we I mean I we as humans have that in our lives, right? We're you like oh, all of this was a lie moments, but like hers, like literally was. And then she's stuck in this other realm and she doesn't know what to do about it. Like that must be hell. Yeah. She uh, screams that she's a lying machine. She's a fracking Cylon, which was in the trailers for this episode. She throws a photo against the wall near Six's head. Six turns around and her cheek is bleeding. And Boomer immediately is like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like, runs off to get some band-aids. And Baltar's like, oh, nicely done. That was quick thinking. So in reality, Six scratched her own cheek at the same moment that the picture hit the wall so that it seemed like the glass cut her. Mm -hmm. And that gets Boomer to, like, let down her guard and stop being so adversarial. And then they have a moment to bond. Boomer returns and says that she's never known a Six to show fear before. Then Head Baltar says to Six that she's good, but he's better, so let Mm -hmm. him help her. And he starts feeding her lines. I'm different. I'm more like you. I had someone... I met here a man. I loved him, and I think he could have loved me. And their cadence sort of merges together to where its he's not really feeding her lines. They're saying the exact same thing at the exact same time. It's like that episode of Doctor Who, Midnight. Oh, that episode is so good. So good. It, I, I find, like, Baltar... His like the head Baltar's um, style I find really interesting in comparison to Six's style, how they both are sort of like guiding the the other, but they just like it's just like he's different. He's like he's more like he's more um, 
conf- confident. Co- yeah, confident. He confronts her about her mm-hmm. ideas, but then he's also there to kind of like be this, in some ways, gentle hand to nudge her towards the ideas that she needs to after she's gone through the uh, the first part. Whereas with um, head six is that she's a little bit more, I don't know. I don't even know. Like I can't formulate all my thoughts, but she's just, her style is different than, than this one. I find, I find that actually like really interesting. Just another little bit. Uh, um, I think Ron Moore said that he actually wrote the, this part uh, with uh, making six scratch her face. Um, Cause he said it was very important that like, even though she's like, starting to become this character that has more sympathy she still would have been a very manipulative she had to have been very manipulative to do all that she did to get the defense mainframe shut down so yeah like it's still in her nature yeah a sort of quick thinking yeah very quick thinking so he's like you kind of yeah you definitely see like oh that's that's how yeah we'll forgive her Eventually, just like we do, Anakin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the resistance fighters. They are testing out how long it takes for a cigarette to burn down so they can time their bomb. One of them asks why they're going through all of this trouble for a few skin jobs, which apparently skin jobs is taken from uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yeah. yeah. Anders says that the Sharon that had helped them told them that when they download, they remember everything. So these ones will remember being blown up. They'll learn that there's no safe place and that they should leave Caprica. The cigarette takes three minutes and 10 seconds to burn down. And Anders says, boom, but in a sexy way. Cause he's yeah, I was just, I literally was just about, <laughs> if you, if you hadn't have said that, I was going to be like, no, didn't he say like, Six is telling Boomer about Baltar's house and how much she loved it. Baltar is snarking about how she destroyed it. She says she went back there after she downloaded. Um, She was looking for a connection to him. She found some of his things and even held on to them for a while, but she realized that they were keeping her from embracing her new life, so she burned them. Do you think she's telling the truth or is she lying? I uh, there was a, there was actually a discussion about this uh and I think in the commentary and I cuz Baltar says it's a lie. Yeah. I think the I mean I would mean I don't know like if it, it's a lie I don't know it's like it's not an important one like it's very reasonable that that could have actually happened. Like I don't see why you wouldn't have. I don't know. Right, it's definitely believable. Yeah. Boomer asks who he was, and Six is like, well, maybe you've heard of him. His name is Gaius Baltar. And Boomer's like, Baltar helped you betray us? <laughs> and Head Baltar is amused by how she still thinks she's human. Yeah. And Boomer asks if he's still working with the Cylons, and Six is like, still? And Boomer's like, yeah, he's on the Galactica. He's the vice president of the colonies. And so we go to the Galactica, where the president of the colonies wonders what to do with this baby if she survives. 
And the real Baltar asks if she's suggesting they throw her out an airlock. And Rosalind's like, if I wanted to throw a baby out an airlock, I'd say throw the baby out an airlock. <laughs> Which is savage. Yeah. Baltar is happy to hear that infanticide isn't on the table. And Ty says it's not a baby, it's a machine. Baltar says it's half machine and half human, and maybe we should keep that human half in mind. He's not wrong. Mm -hmm. Adama thinks that the Cylons went through a lot of trouble to create this thing, so if it's good for them, it's bad for the fleet. Rosalind completely agrees and thinks that Sharon can't be the one to raise her. Adama says there are Cylons hiding in the fleet, and if they hear about this baby being born, they're going to make a play for her. Head Six tells Baltar that they're going to have to take their baby. I, I mean, I can see their side. I think on some level they're probably right. Mm -hmm. but I don't think that they're right to think that they can't let Sharon raise her own baby when she's proven over and over again that she's not going to betray them. I just had a So thought. it's like they're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. By by taking the baby from her that gives her a reason to betray them later even though she doesn't actually. What's your thought? Well, I had two. Like I my my had a thought was after I was going to say something else, but I'll say what I was going to say first and then my thought. Um so I kind of like I think Adama is 100% correct. Um like, and he is correct in w the intentions of the Cylons, not the result of everything that happened. Um, but they were trying to have caused this baby to be born, not out of some, any form of altruism or anything. It was literally so that they could, you know, as we, I think we, we start to find out a bit, a little bit later so that they can try to uh, procreate right become closer to humans so they 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 have no intention of trying like this having this baby isn't about like bringing them together it's kind of what ends up happening um but that's not what their intention is so he's right in that just letting them have access to this baby might be a mistake because then they would actually be able to enact whatever plans that they have um my other thought was, um, and I'm not really, I, 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 I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head, really, and I don't know if this all lines up, but I'm a big Planet of the Apes fan. <laughs> and uh, um, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, I think, had this had a similar dilemma um, where, what was her name? Zira? Zira, I think her name was. Um, she had, was pregnant with the baby, and the humans in that world had, like, they had, like, big there was like a whole big dilemma because they were like we can't let this baby be born because when they found out kind of found out about like the future and apes taking over they were like this is a bad thing right um but obviously you don't want to like infanticide is not a good thing whether it's an ape or not <laughs> you know it was sentient yeah. right um, so yeah, there was like that whole thing and it, 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 it kind of, because of what they did, it ended up becoming a self, like you, like you just said, it became, uh, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I don't know. Me neither. I've never seen the original Planet of the Apes, so I can't even comment on that. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, it's a trippy, it's a trippy, uh, movie. It was like the third 
third one, I think, um, mm-hmm. is a trippy uh, story. It's like set in the 70s or <laughs> it's it kind of weird. Like, so, you know, like the original Planet of the Apes, they're, uh, they're in ape world or whatever. And then the two characters from that one at the end of the second movie, you don't see this. They, they talk about it, but like they travel back through time and come to like present day. So it's like very like, you know, trippy 70s vibes with these two apes that are walking, talking, <laughs> walking, talk. They were like celebrities at first. And um, but anyway, um, then they kind of realized the humans realized that in this future, they're all dead and that and the apes are, you know, enslaving humans. And and then when Zira, I think her name is Zira. I don't know why I'm blanking, but she when her uh, when they find out she's pregnant, that it's like everything turns dark after that. And then they're like really motivated to like basically kill her. And is she an ape? The baby. Yeah, she's an ape. Yeah. Yeah. OK. But it's just this idea of like this child that represents something mm-hmm. to these people. Um, obviously, it's like, you know, it's it's not a one-to-one thing, but I just, I don't know, just thought of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So Sharon and Hilo get to see their baby in the incubator, and they're both so happy. Sharon puts her hand in there, and Hera grabs her finger, and it's so sweet. For such a short amount of time. There's a scene, uh, there's a deleted scene where Rosalind is sort of like doing Mm -hmm. the same thing, which... Yeah, Rosalind thanks her for saving her life. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they cut it. Whatever. Um, We cut really quickly to Anders and his crew setting their bombs in the parking garage under the cafe. And then we see Caprica and Boomer in the cafe... Boomer asks why they didn't tell Caprica that Baltar was alive. Baltar tells Six that this is the wrong question. Six says the actual question is why they wanted her to work with Boomer if they knew that Baltar was alive. Boomer says that Deanna must have known that learning that he was alive would frack with her. And Six wonders why. And Head Gaius is like, it's obvious. And for a self-aware, cybernetic life form, she really is obtuse sometimes. (laughs) She starts to respond, and he tells her to be careful, just as Deanna comes up and asks if they're okay. And she sits down with them. They tell her that Sharon has decided to move out of her apartment, which seems to be a surprise to, to Boomer. And Deanna's like, oh, great. Since when? We've been asking this for weeks. Head Gaius tells Six that she's lying. They want to box Boomer up. Quickly back to the garage where Anders and his crew set up the bomb. Then back to these three. Deanna asks Boomer when she's planning on moving out of her apartment and suggests right now since it's right upstairs. Boomer kind of hesitatingly agrees and says she just needs to go grab some things. So she starts to take off and Deanna turns to Six and says that they must have had some conversation. And Six says they had a lot to talk about. And she gets up and follows Boomer and Head Gaius tells her that Deanna is right behind her and she's like, I know. So in the garage, Anders is gathering his stuff to leave when he hears a noise and he hides behind a car as a centurion comes in and it finds the bomb and it's a 
about to deactivate it, so Anders just opens fire and shoots the trigger so that the bomb explodes. <clears throat> we cut to Galactica, and I like Rosalind, but it's hard <laughs> to like Rosalind with this. <laughs> yeah, she definitely is, with the whole baby thing, she definitely is a lot harder than she's ever been. Yeah. Um, she informs Coddle that she cannot allow Sharon to raise the baby and that in order to do this, she needs his help. This is not a debate. And he says he doesn't like it, but asks what he can do. And she says she needs it to be done immediately. And he responds that it will take some time to find someone suitable. But Tori, ever efficient, hands him a list. She says each of them is capable, anonymous, and can be trusted. And he says that they've thought of everything. And Rosalind says that she hopes so. So it's not clear entirely upon first viewing what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. I just know I need to marry a Tory. <laughs> she's on top of things. She really is. <laughs> I like the way that the interaction between Coddle and Rosalind is so different than like Adama and Coddle because Coddle mm -hmm. will like give like, you know, bust Adama's balls a lot. But like when Rosalind says something, Coddle just is like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I just kind of yeah, like that dynamic. I guess it's kind of hard to say no to the president. Right. I mean, that's kind of why I like it, because it's like he actually acknowledges her authority, you know? Um, yeah. So we return to the cafe or what used to be the cafe. Deanna moves some rubble off of Boomer, which says that the whole building came down, but it looks like the stairwell saved them. Boomer asks where Six is, and Deanna's just like, well, her body is dead. And Six, who's, like, covered in rubble, is like, not yet from under this these big chunks of concrete. And she's clearly hurt, but she's not dying. She tells them to help her from out underneath it, and Deanna's like, well, it would be better if it had just killed you, since we won't be able to get you anything for the pain for a while, and then helps to put her out of her misery. This three is just savage. Six refuses, and Boomer pops her leg back into place. Deanna wonders where they are, and Boomer thinks it must be the garage. So Deanna starts moving around some rubble to try to get out, and she finds Anders. She kicks him in the head and says that he probably set off that explosion. And she, like, roots around and gets his gun and points it at him and Boomer doesn't know why the resistance would bomb the cafe since it had no military value. Deanna's like, humans don't respect life like the Cylons do. And then goes to, like, shoot this guy. But Boomer stops her. Six agrees that they shouldn't kill him. Deanna snarks about how one more life added to the six billion shouldn't weigh any heavily on her conscience. So Six says that they can interrogate him. Which Deanna finally relents. <clears throat> She leans in and she finds the dog tags around Anders' neck and reads off Kara's name. And Boomer is surprised that he has Starbucks tags. And Deanna tells her that Starbucks was on the planet a few weeks ago. She escaped with the help of another Sharon. Boomer thinks that 
he must have been important to Starbuck if she gave him her dog tags. I just have to say, my uh, notes app here changed dog tags to dog legs every time I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) I just noticed it. Every single time it says dog legs. It's like, uh, yeah, Cylons... (laughs) Are we like we do? Sometimes it's like AI is scary, but then it's like yeah, but it can't do like these simple things. So, <laughs> uh, Deanna sarcastically says that that's sweet and throws the dog tags, and Six like really slyly picks them up and holds on to them. Head Baltar tells her that she has physical proof of one person's love for another. And says if only she felt that deeply about him. And she said that she did. And she does. She loves him. And he asks where the tangible proof is. I don't know what he expects her to do with that. But back in sick bay, Coddle now has told Hilo and Sharon that their baby died. And they don't understand because they thought she was doing well. Coddle says she wasn't. Her lungs never fully developed. And they weren't able to intubate her in time. Sharon is distraught. She starts screaming that they murdered her baby. And she grabs him by the throat and is pulled away, screaming that there are murderers and asking where her baby is. Her reaction is authentic. I, I had I had some mm-hmm. issues with Hilo's act, reaction. He seemed too put together. And I, did, I wanted him to have more grief, but whatever. I let it slide. He has his opportunity later to exert his sheer size when he finds out the baby is alive. Yeah, this yeah, this that is true. But you know, just like in the moment, like <laughs> yeah. it sort of like attract more for her. Um yeah. and for him, it almost didn't seem like it was as important to him. Obviously I'm not I don't think that that's the case, but it just I just wish he had had more emotion in that yeah. scene. Over in Baltar's lab, he's apologizing to Head Six about losing Hera, and she says that they let that he let them murder their baby. He says that he tried his best, and she said that Hera was supposed to lead the next generation of God's children, and it was his will that Gaius protect her. She slams him against a wall and says that he has committed a monstrous sin and that his whole race is going to suffer God's vengeance. And he looks absolutely terrified. Well, I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> like I, it's I hard know to... she's she's managed to do some things to hurt him. Yeah, it will. For me, it's like because you know I, I keep going off of this idea that because just because of what they say in the end, which again I think is very much like a last season thing where there are angels, but like there there are times in other scenes earlier even like in the first season where like she would seem to know something that she couldn't have known so i was i was kind of like yeah she it seemed like she would know that the baby isn't actually like dead right um and then but then also just kind of putting that aside uh from a from like a writer's perspective i wonder if they're setting up what's going to be happening in two episodes, the end of, um, and the beginning of season three. I'm wondering if that's what she's referring to. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, on colonial one, there's a woman named Maya 
who is now holding the baby. <clears throat> she says when she lost her baby, she wasn't sure how she would go on. And Coddle says that he's glad things worked out for her and this little girl. Tori reminds her that she can't tell anyone where the baby came from and says that the mother was a Pegasus officer and it must remain an that must remain anonymous for political and religious reasons. Maya gives her word. Rosalind asks if she can check in on them every once in a while. And Maya's like, oh my gosh, of course. After she leaves, Rosalind thanks Coddle for what he did. She says that now the Cylons think the baby is dead and that's a good thing. And I'm glad that she didn't kill the baby. <laughs> yeah, even that's like a line too far for... Yeah. Her, yeah and but it, it gives her like some room to i guess you know grow from this hard stamp uh stance she has um because there's a there's seems to be an awful lot of care that she i feel she has when we get mm -hmm. to season three but i'm just glad that we get to meet joe from eureka finally you never watched eureka did you i didn't uh, is that who Maya is? Yeah, that's who Maya is, yeah. When she first showed up on Battlestar Galactica, I remember texting my friend, like, who is this? She's, she's amazing. Pretty. Yeah, she's amazing. And then she went on to be on uh, on Eureka for five, seven years, however long that show was on as Joe, and it was, uh, she's great. I did watch the first episode, but that was it. Well, let's go back to Caprica, where Anders wakes up, he looks around frantically, Deanna asks him if he's looking for his gun, which she has. She throws it on the ground between them and tells him to go ahead and try and get it. He says he's fine where he is because he's no dummy. Above, they can hear the Cylons are working to dig them out. Deanna tells Anders that the Cylons above are very interested in him. Boomer tells her to leave him alone. and Deanna turns to her and says that she's a hero of the Cylon, but she's really a broken machine that thinks she's human. But she's not, and she never will be. And Boomer says at least she's not a murderer. She knows the difference between right and wrong. <clears throat> Head Baltar tells Six that life is short, but the next one isn't. He tells her to let her heart adrift, and her soul will get caught. What is he talking about? You know what he's talking about? He's talking what? about the power of love. <laughs> the power it's like of love. just this random conversation that they're having and she's like I love you can uh, you feel it <laughs> that was going through my head when I was watching the, <laughs> all these scenes so it's basically what it comes down to right yeah it's just I mean time and place guys <laughs> she says her heart and soul are his Deanna says that the Cylons above are nearly to them Gaius tells Six that the reason they wanted her to work with Boomer was so that she'd lose her mind and they could box her too. Six says that they are dangerous, but she says this out loud, and Deanna is confused. Six says that she and Boomer are celebrities in a culture based on unity. She turns to Boomer and says that their voices count more than Deanna's. They're two heroes with different perspectives on the war based on their love of two humans, or from two humans. And that's why they wanted her to work with Boomer, so that Boomer would tell her that Gaius was still alive and she would lose her mind. They want to box them. Deanna says that they were corrupted by their experiences and they're just a waste. Gaius tells her to speak from the heart. And Six says, jealousy, murder, vengeance, they're all sins in the eyes of God. 
That's what you and I know. That's what they don't want to hear. Boomer realizes that the Cylons would have to rethink what they're doing and consider that the slaughter of mankind was a mistake. At this point, Anders dives for his gun and gets it, but he tries to shoot at Deanna and she knocks it away and turns it on him. And she says that God loves her. And then Six just brains her with a big rock and she's dead. Anders so Boomer... got a gun. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I get songs in my head. I'm that guy. They start so, singing. <laughs> Boomer says that the Cylons are almost to them. Six tells Anders to go, and he asks if it's a trick. And she's like, "Well, you can stay and be tortured if you want." And she gives him the dog tags. He says, or he asks them what kind of people they are, and she's like, "I don't know." Boomer throws him his gun as he leaves, and when he's gone, she asks how long before Deanna downloads, and tells everybody what they did to her. Six thinks it'll take at least 36 hours because of all the Cylons that died in the explosion. She thinks that's long enough to change things for the better. Boomer asks what she means. And Head Baltar says that he's never loved anyone more than he loves her now. And she says that their people need a new beginning, a new way to live without hate and lies. They need two heroes of the Cylons to show them the way. Boomer says she's with her, just as Doral and some other Cylons break through the debris. He says they're alive, and Boomer's like, we're alive. And Six is like, yes, we are. Um, did I miss where, is this where Tyrrell and um, Hilo dump the ashes out into mm, space? <clears throat> I don't remember exactly when that happened, but it's uh, yeah, right around here when they do the um, space funeral. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that it's it's Tyrrell and Hilo. Yeah, there was I you know, I when I was doing like reading about the episode, like there a lot of people had thoughts and comments about that. I thought it felt natural to me. I don't I just you know, but uh I mean it didn't I didn't I didn't think it was unusual because Tyrrell had this relationship with the other Sharon mm -hmm. and he and Hilo have sort of bonded. I guess, in a way, since they tried to beat each other up. Yeah. Oh, and plus they also went through the whole thing of, like, almost dying because they killed a guy in defense of Sharon. Yeah. It just, it seemed like, I don't know, when you might, you might, like, have an enemy or something, but you could still, if they're going through something sometimes, um, mm -hmm. it, you might just have sympathy for them. And it's like, oh, man. You know, you show up for him, and I, I didn't, I didn't think it was as as deep as some people were trying to make it. I just, I don't know. He he was the closest person to, uh, outside of Sharon to Tyrrell, I guess, uh, at Starbuck. Um, and yeah. then, um, and then he also had that connection at least to to a Sharon. So it made sense. Yeah, and I don't think they're enemies. I think they their circumstances are really strange because they're both in love with a woman who's sort of the same woman, but, a, but different. Right. Women. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, uh, and then we have Maya cradling her new little hybrid baby. <laughs> it's a hybrid. <laughs> it is. It's a hybrid. <laughs> and that's it. That's downloaded. I feel like I sped through this, but, no, I before we started recording, I was actually going to say I don't actually think this is going to be very, very long and a not in a yeah. not in a bad way, but 
this um, episode to me is very much like, like it's not my favorite, and I'm not. It's not like I'm knocking it at all because I actually like the episode a lot. But it's one of those ones where, you know, for me, like I like, you know, I like explosions and that kind of stuff, and more more intrigue. This this episode is when I was watching it, I was like, this is very much like a stage play, you know? Um, yeah. And every, everything's very straightforward. It's not like we do it. We've done other episodes and they're very dense, right? This is like, there's a lot of scenes and there's a lot of conflict and back and stuff going on. This is very straightforward, but it's very, it's very important. Like I actually think that this is probably the, you know, second or third most important episode of the series. Um, yeah. And so, I yeah, but also yeah, there it's not that there's not a lot to dissect or talk about, even though it's very important because there's it's very everything is on the surface. They're, they're actually telling you what you're mm-hmm. supposed to be thinking, as opposed to I wonder what's going on with this, you know? Yeah, and it's as important as it is. It sort of it really is just setting up what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. It's establishing. Caprica 6 and Boomer and their status showing us that they are considered heroes and the kind of influence that they may have and even without them trying or at least without 6 trying there are all these other Cylons that like revere her (laughs) which gives her power I think it establishes what will you know, see over time that there is a certain jealousy involved from the threes mm-hmm. with Caprica specifically. Mm-hmm. Maybe not just this three, but all the threes seem to really like. They're always questioning. We've established that, but they they also want until there's the Deanna that partners up with Baltar. They want everything to stay the same. Like they're questioning things, but like. We're not going to rock the boat here. If you've got some unusual ideas or you're trying to change things, we're going to box you up. I had a thought. Because um, it was something you said earlier, and it was actually kind of funny because I was like, oh, no, I don't think it applies here. But then you started talking about it. You started talking again. And again, this is not like, I'm not saying that this is necessarily like a one-to-one thing, but it lives in the same realm. But um you were talking earlier, like much earlier, and I was thinking about um, Animal Farm, actually. And I think it was like about how when you were talking about how the line about how they were celebrities mm-hmm. um, and sort of like the the Cylons intention that was that they were all they would all be the same, basically. But as lived experience goes, they started to discover that that things don't necessarily play out that way. And in Animal Farm, I think the the goals are a little bit different, but they it starts out with this ideal of everybody being equal. And then there's that line from Animal Farm where they kind of like the, was it the pigs say that uh, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others, you know? Um, mm. So it's sort of like that. It's like in, there's this grand experiment that the Cylons are, um, endeavoring and we're seeing what happens when it's actually enacted in real time. The same thing with like 
the Russian Revolution, right? They had they had an intention, but it totally turned out a different way than they had thought that it would. So that's it. <laughs> just like just like it was. I I thought about it earlier, and then but you were talking. I was like, no, this actually kind of like it's like it applies a little. So I'm just wondering where the elephants come from. And Are there it. no elephants in Animal Farm? No, 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 no. Ele- the elephants. Uh, on, <laughs> I know which on, elephants you're yeah, talking about. The Caprica Zoo. <laughs> the Delphi Zoo. <laughs> I mean, we don't know that they didn't have little samples of everything going along with them that yeah, they like, got to. Like Noah's Ark or something. Plant on Earth or whatever. <laughs> I guess you don't plant animals, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> So other things that are established in this episode are um, Maya having the baby. That definitely is going to be a factor. And uh, oh, what else? Oh, that Anders is still alive on Caprica and still fighting the good fight. So yeah. these are all things that are going to be important as we move forward and if you aren't analyzing what's happened in this episode what happens at the end of the season might seem really shocking like how did they come to this decision if you forgot like the conversation that six and boomer have at the end of this one so it's it's a really shiny stylized setup episode yeah i think i mean when i when i first watched it it was like it was obvious that something i what ends up happening i did not foresee at all i'm not trying to Mm -hmm. say it but it was obvious that this was like a a changing point for the cylons i actually thought it was going to play out differently um but you definitely obviously they were I actually thought it was more altruistic than it ended up being. Um, what did just you think was going to happen? Um, it just like the way that the way that scene played out. I I felt like there was going to be sort of like an underground Cylon movement or something. Oh. Um, and it ends up obviously being done way better than I could have ever <laughs> what I could have ever thought of. But then it actually ends up kind of being that much much later, right? So. Um, but I again, I, I actually think this again, this is one of the most important episodes of the series just because it, it it from from the first episode till this episode, the Cylons were a certain thing. They were like kind of monolithic. And then not only do we get to see who they have been, but we also get to see how they change in this episode. Mm hmm. Um, from my book, I need to go back and listen, but apparently for the sequences where number six sees visions of Baltar in her head, the score features snippets of the number six theme literally turned backwards. Yeah, I read that and I didn't uh, go back and listen. Donnelly Rhodes, who plays Doc Cottle, said the art department did a great job of creating a baby for that episode. It was pretty realistic. It looked like a real baby. I had to manipulate it for certain scenes, which was an interesting experience. And then there is there was a subplot that was cut out. It's in the deleted scenes where 
Baltar goes and talks to Gina about the baby being born. And basically is telling her that she needs to she needs to help him take the baby. And she's like, I can't just walk in to the sick bay on Galactica and just take a baby. And he's like, yeah, but you know more people than I do. And I think what he means is Cylons. Uh, or maybe just people. I don't know. He knows a lot of people. He's the vice president <laughs> of the colonies. I don't know what he's talking about. But what she does is enlists Deanna Beers, the three that we've met that we think is a reporter, and sets up this whole thing where she goes and meets with Rosalind and is like, you know, there's all these people that are saying things about this baby being born and wouldn't it be best if they get to see that it's just a baby so if you let me if you give me access to the baby and i film it they're going to see there's nothing to be afraid of which is a good pitch to Rosalind. and then she like manipulates her camera case to basically be a little carrying case for the baby so that she can sneak the baby off of the galactica but when she goes to see the baby uh ishe played by jamie bamber's wife tells her that the baby died and she's like what are you talking about and hilo comes out and he like screams at her at her about being a vulture and or no she ishe tells her that she can't see the baby and she's like i have a signed letter from the president and hilo comes out calls her a vulture and says the baby died and she's like genuinely shocked like what do you mean and he's like she died so that was a whole subplot that was taken out of the episode, which I think was the right choice. Yeah. In the commentary, Ramor talks about that, where he just, he says it's just like, it doesn't track well in terms of being too confusing, that there's like two Dianas and, mm-hmm. and uh, like too many, like too many Cylons. He actually said that at one point that because they, they had gotten the, the people dressed up as, at the actors that play Leo Ben and um, Simon to like kind of be in the background. Um, yeah. He didn't have them in the scenes because it's just like they it would have been a lot for them to be on set, but not much to do. So he kind of trimmed it down. But also when I watched those deleted scenes, I, I it was kind of like to what end would they have served? Because she just finds out, the baby's dead anyway yeah. so like what what would be all this maneuvering and having her there like serve you know so right. like it definitely it definitely was a good choice to to cut it yeah i did like the just the moment of humanity that i gave Rosalind when she's sitting with the baby and thanks her for saving her life because mm-hmm. i i think it's a good reminder that Rosalind is doing what she thinks is right what she thinks is going to save them or keep the Cylons from having a MacGuffin or whatever. And she's really harsh in this episode, but it's a good reminder that she remembers that the reason she's alive is because of this baby. Yeah. I think if if I can kind of, kind of depends on where they would have put it in terms of editing. Like would it have been that moment where she then decides, oh, maybe I'm not going to kill the baby or is it right before she gives it to Maya or like it just that 
would have been interesting if they had to put it in there, like how that how that would have played out. But yeah, I feel like it probably would have had to go right before we see the scene with Doc Cottle giving the baby to Maya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, would have made the most sense. Yeah. Um, I don't have any other trivia, but I do have a question of was Baltar the worst this week? Um, <laughs> uh, I I'm like I'm. It's a little tough one for me because in this episode, I I don't think he was the worst. Like he's advocating for the baby to be saved, Mm -hmm. but, but he also is like, it just like, I know where we're headed. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just like, it's hard for me to, it's just hard, but I don't think he was the worst this week. I said no, that is Rosalind. (laughs) Rosalind's the worst this week. Um, Who would you give full colors? I would give full colors to, I guess, Head Six, or not Head Six, to Caprica Six. I That's think. what I said. Yeah. Caprica Six. Who would you throw out the airlock? Um, That's a tough one. Like maybe Deanna. I mean, Rosalind is a candidate. But... <laughs> I said Deanna or all the threes. Yeah. Like, you know, she try to shoot your boy. Can't let that happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but also, shut up, Deanna. <laughs> um, who was this week's favorite Cylon? Um, yeah, again, I think it was to me. It's Head Six. I mean, head I'm six? sorry, like I'm Caprica Six. I'm sorry. I'm just so yeah. I'm not okay. used to saying Caprica Six, and now she's an actual character. I we keep forgetting, but yeah, Caprica Six. I think is is my favorite Cylon this week. Yeah, same. Yeah. Do we have any new reviews? Um, so we don't. We technically do not. But I did get a comment on one of our uh, Galactica actually posts. It actually was on my personal Instagram, but um, it was the same post I put up on our Galactica actually post. And I thought, why not read it? Okay. So um, I'm. I don't. I'm not going to read the name because they don't want their name out there. But uh, I'll just read what they said. Um, just Is it was... Michael Truco? Uh, no, no, it wasn't Michael Truco. Damn, or maybe okay. it is. Maybe that's his. <laughs> maybe that's his handle. <laughs> no, um, it, his his handle has his name in it. You think I don't know that? <laughs> <laughs> you you think I don't know that he was at a cafe yesterday uh, on no, uh, Melrose not, and not quite that ten... stalkery, but I do follow him on Instagram. <laughs> I follow I follow all the Battlestar people on Instagram. Now. Actually, I just think I I think a couple days ago didn't I see they were like at a saga. Or something. I saw a um, picture of Trisha Helfer and those guys. They've done a few things. I saw Michael Truco was at another one. I forget who it was he ran into. It was someone from another show that he took pictures with. That was fun. But the whole, like a whole bunch of the Battlestar people got together not too long ago and did some picketing. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, they say just listened. You guys are an insightful and easy listen. Good stuff. That's oh, it. Thank you. Anonymous. Yeah, but it was a really nice. Uh, it was a really nice, like, surprise. You know. Yeah. Um, but we would love it if this person and the rest of you could uh, give us a rating on our Apple iPod, Apple iPods, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, yeah. You can give us a like on Spotify. 
I think can you do reviews now? We we talked about this before. But... No, you can't do reviews on Spotify, but you can do reviews on Apple. Yeah. We would love it. But you can always leave comments on our Instagram, which is Galactica Actually, or Twitter, Galactually Pod. Uh, you can send us an email at galacticaactuallypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach Diallo on his personal Instagram, obviously, which is... The Arma Threeden, <laughs> the Armageddon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Where else would they be able to find you if they wanted to? Uh, if you wanted to find me, you could find me on Angela and the Dark on Instagram and First Noel Chronicles on Instagram as well. And also some random Instagram called Galactica, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to listen to anything I've done in the past, I used to host or co-host shows on the Unspoiled Network, uh, Lost, The Punisher, Band of Brothers, Doctor Who, The Vampire Diaries. And next week, we will be discussing Lay Down Your Burdens, Part 1. We are almost finished with Season 2. Yeah, we're almost there. We are almost to where everything goes bananas. I don't even know what happens in the next episode. Like, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I, it's like, I know, like, I know what the next, they, the, I know. The next two blur together for me. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I'm kind of, I'm like, I was thinking about it last week and I was kind of like, okay, like, I know what happens. But I don't know specifically what happens in this episode that makes it like part of first part. Like, yeah. You know? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, until we get to that and clear up all that confusion, what do you hear, Diallo? Nothing but the rain. Hi. The, uh,. listening to the Geekscape Network.